Yeah, I straight up forgot to edit last week. Sorry about that, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Last week, uh, these last two weeks really have whooped me. So I'm, I don't blame you at all. But, Mav, it was good seeing you yesterday. Great to see both Aaron and Colby. It was good to see you too, Maverick. Guess it was not great to see you, Colby. <laughs> Mav had to make the effort to come down here. But yeah. it was also good to see you, Aaron. I miss Thank Aaron's you. hugs. They're very violent, and I enjoy them. How, what are they? How are they violent? <laughs> I feel like you really grab somebody. <laughs> I hug them. I, I, I don't know what you want. I'm not gonna half-ass a hug. I, think I, I appreciate that, it. I never said I didn't like it. I like Aaron hugs. But no, that. <laughs> That was the first non-familial hug that I gave since the pandy started. Pandy. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard it called the so, pandy. That's weird. So that was, it was really good. I was the first person to RSVP for the wedding. Yes. <laughs> yes, Aaron was. I forgot to rip my stub off. Oh, we've already clicked the button for you. Yes. So. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, yeah, dude. But you were down here for the spring game. I was. I was dedicated just to come to a practice for football. I did just want to come down to Chapel Hill, did some early birthday shopping, just got on Franklin Street, had Spicy Nine for lunch. First Ooh. time since I graduated, had the ones at Spicy Nine. Very nice. Um, but yes, ultimately came for the football game. Perhaps that's crazy, especially because of the weather. But I just I was just happy to be back down in Chapel Hill. It was a bit of a rainy day. When you've played in the midst of a hurricane, you know, you really can't get much worse. So I might have been drenched, but it still wasn't a hurricane. You finally got to experience the glasses fogging up in the rain. I Welcome did. to the club. And and then because I was so soaked, I couldn't take my shirt to wipe off because my shirt was wet. So when I would do that, it would just still just leave water droplets on the glasses. So it was just, I eventually just got into a state of per- perpetuous, just fogged or watery glasses. It was just very frustrating. Aaron, you said you were asleep for most of the game, right? Yes. I did not know that the game was on TV and I took a nap. And by the time I woke up, it was white boy summer on the football game. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Every man. Saturday, by the way, flowing locks. Yeah, what, what, that, was, that was the first thing I said. Like, look at that hair. I did not think that Jeff Saturday's kid would just have like that. That wasn't Jeff Saturday's gene pool. <laughs> um, David, did you get a chance to watch? I did not. I had a really, <clears throat> I had a really busy weekend. I. Uh, was uh, trying to do some wedding planning with Lauren, and then my brother came from Raleigh mm-hmm. to come visit. So I'm, uh, I was uh, in the midst of it, and I had to run a DD session last night. So it was a packed, it was a packed, packed Saturday. I think Mav and I both said that the defense was the biggest standout, and I feel like more often than night, not in spring games, you get to see more from defense than you do from offense. Yeah, and I think in the press conference they even said that it was pretty basic sets too and almost that they created mismatches for a reason. They just wanted to see execution of of just the basic things or just at least show, seeing a ceiling 
of players, and I think that would benefit the defense more overall. Uh, another thing, uh, Brian Anderson center was out. Josh Azudu was also out. So th- they did start going into the two deep on the offensive line as well. But defensively, wow. I mean, you can tell there's a big difference, especially on the defensive line where, I mean, we had Tamon Fox and Ray Vahasic and Tamari Fox on that line. And they're they're pretty big guys in their own right. But they're compared to your Clemsons and your Ohio States, they still – was a difference now that you bring in freshmen like Javari Ritzy and Keyshawn Silver, and then you have guys that are developing like Kevin Hester, um, Chris Collins, things like that. Des Evans, even um, that line is looking monstrous. Keyshawn Silver is a very large human being. <laughs> that dude is huge. I don't know yeah. how he's going to be <laughs> on the basketball court. <laughs> that guy is gigantic. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Rara Dilworth. I think he'll be able to have some pretty immediate impact. Yeah. That's the name that I heard the most. Well, I was trying to check in on the highlights and stuff. And to your point, the defensive highlights were the thing that I felt like got shined on, minus a couple of passes. Um, but yeah, Rara Dilworth was a name that kept popping up like, this guy, <laughs> this yeah. guy looks pretty good. No, also Power Eccles, uh, the other. So, I mean, we have our two inside. Uh, linebackers for the future once Jeremiah Gimbel's gone and then we still have Eugene Asante probably for another year but I would say just pound for pound and like per person I think the linebacker room is probably the strongest on the defense because you still have Jeremiah Gimbel you have Eugene Asante who played really well in the Orange Bowl now you're bringing these guys like Ra Ra Dilworth and Power they look fantastic I'm, I think day one they're probably better than a lot of other Power 5 <laughs> linebackers so I'm really happy to see what they did. Both of them blew up the running back several times on several run plays. So the over uh, both run defense and pass defense, I think pass defense is still probably going to be the question mark just because they're doing this thing where they're they're cross training all the players and um, at different positions, the safety, the nickelback, cornerback and such. Um, But the run defense looked fantastic. Yeah, I will say, um, some of the run blocking didn't look great, but like you said, we had a couple offensive linemen out. Brian Anderson was a healthy scratch, by the way. There's nothing wrong with him. He, just he was at a wedding. Yeah, he wasn't here. Um, at a wedding? Yeah, he, he was at a wedding. You so. got a football game to play. <laughs> yeah, big stakes for the spring game. <laughs> for the for the, the senior leader of the offensive line. Exactly, he's the leader. If you're a the, senior, you're not... I don't it, need you to play yeah, in his, his game. I'd his rather you not job be was playing not in football. Jeopardy. Yeah, his job was they, – they, uh, Jeremiah Gimmel was a healthy stretch. Didn't play a snap. Also, Tamon yeah, Fox played there. one snap. Yeah. Okay. Go on there with your semantics. <laughs> semantics matter. <laughs> but, no. Um, but, yeah, that, I think that was a big thing. I don't think Tony Grimes got targeted once. <laughs> Mm-mm. If he did, I didn't remember. I will say I don't remember it happening. Um, so <laughs> I think they're already afraid of that. So, but again, it's I think it's an iron sharpens iron deal. I think the offense definitely did struggle, and we can get into that to a bit, particularly with the running back and the wide receiver groups, um, seeing the different things. But it's an iron sharpens iron deal. This offense is going to get to play against that defense in every single practice. So it's kind of like I feel like someone mentioned that about Alabama one time, where. They said the practice is harder than most of their games. So they get dominated in practice, and then their offense goes and plays any other team 
and blows them out the water because it's nowhere near as difficult. And so I think Carolina can start to get into that thing because um, I don't want to play against this front seven uh, on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, me neither. Uh, my, I have some concerns about the running game, but again, like I said, like I've said before, um, we even got to spring football that offensive line pl- play is the biggest predictor of running success. And without having two of your starters, it's hard to say what your running game is going to look like. That being said, um, didn't see a bunch of holes and it didn't look like we were shaking a lot of tackles. Um, and what I was kind of concerned about last year is because I literally don't know is what was our expected yards per carry and how many of those were turned into big plays because of broken tackles and jukes and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, Greg Barnes of Inside Carolina put out a stat. So like, I think there were seven plays, seven running plays of 10 or more yards. Five of them came from quarterbacks. Yeah. And, and Caleb hood had the two uh, 10 yard plus plays from a running back. So I mean, I, I think we can go right into that at least. I think Caleb Hood seemed pretty well to me. I think he's probably the closest, I would say, to Javante, where he just looks like an absolute unit. So I don't know, just being a freshman, I don't know if he's going to get immediate stuff. He might get snaps here and there. Um, but I, I definitely see some flashes with him. I think probably the other main ones to know would be Ty Chandler, DJ Jones, Elijah Green, and Josh Henderson. Um, other is British Brooks, too. I mean, from what I saw, the limit steps, I didn't see too much, but he I know that he was in, like, I think he was in with the second team most of the time. He wasn't with the first team, so it's not necessarily with probably the starting offensive line either, so that could also affect that. But I don't think any of them separated themselves, and it seems from what I've, what I've read about the individual practices and the scrimmage that it's almost like it's a different running back each time that has their own, which you can take that as a good thing, you can also take that as a bad thing. I think just doing my best to rationalize that we had the best tandem in Carolina football history, and it's going to be very difficult to replicate that, and it's almost unreasonable to think that you can just replicate that um, the season after they're gone. Yeah, this season is really going to put to test the um, running backs don't matter <laughs> sort of thing. Uh yeah, d- Mav, when you were there in person, did Ty Chandler look a little small to you? Because he didn't look that big on TV. Yeah, I think he's only like 5'10 or 5'11. But, I mean, he seems he had a, he, had, he seems shifty, though. He had that really good cutback uh, on the one run. Um, I mean, he's played SEC football. I mean, I, you gotta, that's got to be a credit. And he's the number five rusher in Tennessee football history. So, I mean, he's got to give that credit. I think he's just getting used to the new system. And, again, it was very basic offensive sets, too. Um, so, I don't know if there was much scheming that really went on for those mm-hmm. plays. So, it's not going to be stuff that really could put him in a position to get big runs, I would say. Um, I'm not sure if they're even asking at that point. But they are. I think it is important to get some separation. They talked about after this game, they're going to have some really tough conversations uh, with these players about where their fit is what their role is going to be for the upcoming season. And I, I think there's going to be some transfers and I would not be shocked if it's coming from the running back room because we have six guys and we still have Camaro Edmonds coming in in the summer that was still playing high school football. 
I have a strong feeling we're going to see some transfers out of the running back room. And so it'll be a telltale sign of who Matt thinks is and isn't going to play a big role when you see those come out. So speaking of transfers, are we going to see some transfers in the quarterback room? I wouldn't say so yet. This is, by the way, wild speculation. We know nothing. Wild speculation. Only because I think it's, there's no doubt in anyone's mind that you're just playing for second at this point. It's Sam Howell's team until the day he announces that he's going to the NFL, which could very well be in next this coming January or so. Um, Which from the TV broadcast, it sounds like that's what the team is preparing for. Uh, Sam Howell, they said is on track to graduate in December. So all things point to this being Sam's last season here. I think even Mac has acknowledged it in his pressers. So, and I think that kind of can potentially become the new way of things, especially with Mac Brown at the helm, getting these really good quarterbacks. And so um, I, I was really surprised. I was pleasantly surprised with Jacoby Criswell. I mean, he came in a couple of times last season. He, I think he had that really bad pitch in the flat. I forgot who it was against. Got the, he, he didn't also throw the ball that much in his limited stats he got last year, but he looked really well, looked really agile. Um, had, again, several of those 10 plus yard runs came from him and you had Drake May. So I was, we were talking about this at dinner yesterday, but Drake, uh, you're talking about what you look on TV versus live. Drake May does not look six, five live. I thought he looked six, five. He just looks like he was like six, five, one eighty. Like he looks like he's six, five and weighs the same. I do right now. <laughs> so, um, but again, very agile. I think he had probably some of the the best throws, maybe even of the entire spring game. He had that one. I think it was to Justin Olson that was called out of bounds. I think he might have gotten a foot in. Um, no. It was. Cl- it looked close on the jumbotron. But it was close. I think it. I think if it was inbounds, that was a really nice throw. Mm-hmm. And then he had that really. Also, the incomplete pass uh, on the fade route to Kobe Pesor um, that Kobe just turned around too quick. And had he timed that a little bit better, that would have been a touchdown pass. And that was perfectly placed. Um, So he had some hot flashes too. But, like, I think that both of them are rationally thinking that they're still just playing for a second at this point. And if Sam Howell stays healthy, their stats are going to be very limited. Um, So I would wait till maybe next offseason to see if someone moves. Even if someone's obviously the third quarterback? I don't know if they are. There is a clear third right now, and they're going to wait probably till the fall to even decide that. Um, I mean, maybe when it could be like the the Jace Reuters and uh, Cade situation, where as soon as Sam Howell announced, Cade was like, "Yeah, I'm gone." That I might could see something like that, but I don't see that happening until fall camp. Yeah. Um. By the way, speaking of Drake May, he moves very well in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Like he, there was one, I think it might have been the same throw where um, he stepped up in the pocket and um, kind of shook one guy really quick and kind of like in that sort of in the phone booth side kind of throw uh, where he just didn't have much room and was able to get his throw off. And that's um, that's what NFL teams are looking for right yeah. there. <laughs> he can sling it now. So that was one thing that I was kind of thinking about Jacoby last year is that. I'm sure that they probably 
only had him run the ball um, purposely, but it also seems like he was more hesitant because, again, he a lot of times he just took the, his ball and ran rather than staying in the pocket, um, whereas Drake definitely is not afraid to do that. And so it just comes down to which kind of style you want, but I think it's a good thing to know that you at least have that as a backup. You have someone that is not afraid to let it fly. Yeah. Yep, yep. Be like a Mitch situation when he was behind Queens where he just come to the game, throw a touchdown, and sit back down. Yeah. And despite getting that really nice touchdown, I would be uh, if you're if you're thinking about transfer, maybe Jefferson because as good as he played, I I still think there is a there is a gap there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So there's that, and then the wide receiver is probably the other one um, to talk about. I mean, you guys still think Bo Corrales? He actually did drills. I, I was surprised to see him suit, but he did not play. And then Choffrey mm-hmm. Brown was was fully out. Um, so that's two pro- at least strongly considered to be starting players um, that didn't play in the game. So it at least gives the other guys opportunities. I mean, the, the clear takeaway is Josh Downs is wide receiver one, and that's, that's pretty clear. And so that's awesome to see um, that you're getting at least two or three more years uh, being able to see what he can do especially with Sam Heller, whoever his successor is. I thought Antoine Green showed a lot of good plays. He had the really nice touchdown. Um, and then Emory Simmons also had another really awesome touchdown in traffic. So that's two guys there. Again, I'm really some- excited for Emory Simmons. He's shown me a lot over like the past couple years and then into the spring game. Just I'm- put that, put it up, give him a 50 ball. Like I'm, I feel pretty confident about that. I'm ready for the return of the um, gigantic receivers at Carolina. Yeah. JJ Jones is that guy. He's, I think he's also six, five. Mm-hmm. So I want to see him be able to do stuff. Um, Kobe pace, Oregon. I, I think he showed some stuff, but still, I think a lot of with the rain too, there was a lot of drop balls. Um, I hope that's just because of the rain, but also yeah, Josh Downs wasn't wearing gloves. I think they all decided to take off their gloves. I don't remember any of them keep them on. Also, Gavin Blackwell, um, who I was, by based upon what I was seeing, was supposed to be like just like Josh Downs in terms of potential coming in. So there's definitely a lot of people there. It just seems who can be healthy and who can who can stay on the field. So uh, overall, really excited. Uh, defense, I think, looks really good. Uh, again, the only thing I would still think the secondary is probably still the weakest thing. We have the numbers. It's just finding what spots work better for everyone and what schemes work best. But I think Jay Bateman finally has the probably as close to a two deep as possible so that he can mix up schemes and such. Yeah, I think that's all of my thoughts from the spring game. You want to stick to football and talk about the draft a little bit? Oh, I forgot that's this week. Oh, it's lovely time. Is it? Is it a lovely time? I, I always enjoy the, the NFL draft. Now, like day three, when it's just like they're just reading them off and they don't announce them, I, I barely pay attention. Um, but it's still, it's a fun time. And we finally have some Tar Heels that are probably going to get drafted, at least four or five. Yeah. Do you want to do that first before we get into like the mocks and all that? Sure. So what we're, we're most likely is going to get drafted is what Chaz, Diami. Brown, Daz Newsome, um, Javante, Javante Williams, and Michael Carter. Yep, and I believe that right now, Javante's the highest graded player, 
uh, followed by Diami, then Chaz, um, and then Daz Newsom and Michael Carter kind of um, graded about the same. I've seen Michael Carter get solid grades. It's just that running back isn't a particularly valuable position in the draft. Right. Like I've seen him like pretty regularly be like the number four through number six graded running back. Correct. So, I mean, I don't think any of them will be first round. I'd be shocked. I think Chaz might have Chaz or Javante might have the best chance. Mm-hmm. And for J- Javante to go first would mean he's getting picked probably at least over Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, which would be mind blowing, I think, to a lot of people, except for pro football focus. I was about to say it would be mind blowing <laughs> for a lot of people. Ex- for it'll be mind blowing to people that one didn't keep track of college football last year which a bunch of nfl people don't um and be shocking to a lot of people who haven't been like grinding tape for the past three months because it's their job because i have heard like mina kimes and like other espn people talk about hey is javante williams maybe the best running back in this draft so i don't think it's out of the realm of possibility i still think Najee Harris is probably going to be the first one taken off the board and is up in the air between ETN and um, Javante, who goes second. But I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he he's the first running back taken. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's possible. And I think running back, like I said, like I don't think that running back is a position that matters. Like that it doesn't have too much positional value. value. Like we said, running backs don't matter. Um, and so... I think that that's a position where it can be a crapshoot based on team fit a lot more than other positions. I think, uh, I don't know if whoever, wherever he does go, it'll be, he'll, he'll be competitive for that starting spot. I don't know. Like if he goes to a spot with like, like the Titans, if he goes to like where Derrick Henry is, like he's not starting, like he's not going to be that guy, but like if he goes somewhere and he fills a need, I mean, he can he can pick it up for you, and he's got good hands. Um, like, honestly, like he could probably catch out of the backfield pretty easily. So I feel like he can do that. Uh, kind of also very underrated player. pass blocker. That I, I think that's probably been one of the things that's not been mentioned a whole lot. Is both him and Michael Carter have been fantastic pass blockers. Yeah, that's something that um, Carolina running backs might start being the thing because Longo cares so much about running backs and pass pro that our guys are going to get looked at just because they get so many reps um pass blocking i think that's something to keep an eye on as we go further and further into the phil longo scott uh saga the more you you look into the air raid the more you realize that it's not just about getting the wide receivers down the field yeah yeah it's it's about getting the running backs too it's about just getting people into space, getting playmakers into space. That's the whole goal. And also it will help for uh, PPR fantasy leagues to get all of them pass catching running backs on teams. Oh yeah. Which is again, something that both Michael Carter and Javante Williams are pretty good catching the ball out of the backfield. Okay. So let's talk about the top of the draft because I think at this point the top three are pretty set in stone for sure the top two uh Trevor Lawrence going number one to the Jags it seems like Zach Wilson's going number two to the Jets 
And by all accounts, by from all the insiders that have knowledge, it sounds like Mac Jones is going number three to the Niners. So it sounds like that's one, two, three, three quarterbacks off the board. David, you are smiling. I cannot believe this crap. <laughs> I, 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 so somebody tweeted something and I was so. I was like, this this might this has to be what's true. Someone was like, somebody in Justin Fields' camp is like spreading all of this like stuff out there so that he drops in the draft. <laughs> I don't know, like he goes to a better team or something. I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of because like, in I just don't like. Maybe I'll eat crow. Maybe I'll be like. Maybe Mac Jones will end up your t- like fifteen year NFL quarterback vet and he'll be awesome and whatever. I just don't see it. <laughs> I just don't. I just really don't. I and don't. obviously, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say that obviously, you know, Clemson boys number one. Um, but I just don't. And then, and then Zach was it? Will Zach Wilson? Mm-hmm. Is that his name? Okay, um, the one, the Zach Efron looking quarterback. Um, white boy summer. <laughs> <laughs> the white boy summer quarterback. Um, you know, he's going number two, probably. I just think that – I just think Justin Fields does more for you, but I don't know. I just don't want him to end up going – doing, like, a whole, like, Dwayne Haskins to the Redskins type deal, and he gets, you know, buried in there. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Mac Jones is a good, competent, long-time NFL quarterback. I, I think mm-hmm. some of his lack of athleticism is a little overblown. I don't think he's a statue. He's definitely not as mobile as um, Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson or Trey Lance or Justin Fields. Um, but he's not like a Peyton Manning or Tom Brady sort of moving three miles per hour. <laughs> um, if he has to move, he, he can move. But I just... In that system, in the in the Mike Shanahan system, I don't know why you wouldn't want a mobile quarterback in that system. I feel like if you put Justin Fields in San Francisco, I think in a couple of years you're thinking about Super Bowl. I think that it, that offense could be that good with him at quarterback. How do you justify looking at Jimmy Garoppolo's quarterbacking and go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mac Jones is the is the answer to our issues here. <laughs> like, really? The only so thing stupid. I can think of is Mac Jones is a very, very accurate quarterback. That's the one thing you can't take away from him. He throws the ball where he wants to throw the ball. He it's very time. It's very rare that he misses, which is something that uh, Mister uh, closes his eyes and throws an interception. You <laughs> can't quite you can't quite say for him. Um, but even then, I just I don't get the infatuation over Mac Jones. It's crazy though; it is probably going to be three quarterbacks straight. I don't oh, remember yeah. the last time that a top three has been all quarterbacks. One of no, these mocks, two, but not top three. One of these mocks though is saying at four Justin Fields to the Falcons, and I have a feeling that if Justin Fields is available at four, and the Falcons don't take him there will be a riot outside of the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Yeah. 
after all those Georgia fans watched Kirby Smart uh, throw away that talent um, and then watch the Falcons do the same thing, I think that there will be um, unrest for the Falcons if that happens. No, no, hear me out. Hear me out. Julio Jones. Um, oh my gosh, Calvin Ridley, Devontae Smith. That's as scary as hell. That's scary though. to me that as a Panthers fan. <laughs> as hell. <laughs> I'm just like that wouldn't be the worst draft pick in the world. Now, obviously, Matt Ryan is not your like he's 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 gonna he's in his Philip Rivers stage where he he is like riding off into the sunset or like getting old yeller put out to the backyard, you know, like but you know, he's heading to that age. So they do eventually need a quarterback, um, whether they decide that it's this year or next year. It's up. To, I mean, it's up to the Falcons, you know, front office. So moving closer to, and we can, I guess we can talk about like the Panthers, the Browns and the Titans here. Um, the Bengals right now are in the fifth spot and I've seen a couple picks for them. I've seen a couple Kyle Pitts. And I've seen a couple penis Sewell. If it's not an offensive lineman, I don't and know Jamar what they're Chase doing. Chase is also a big – I've seen him more yeah. than Kyle Pitts. I think it should be Sewell, but I could see them taking Jamar Chase to reunite the quarterback-wide receiver combo. They uploaded that picture of, like, the, like, welcome to the jungle and their, their uniforms, and you could see the scar from surgery on Joe Burrow's leg. And you're oh, like, my goodness. If that's did not, you really – yeah, if you could not fucking see that and be like, I need, we need to draft an offensive lineman. Like, come on. Yeah, so, but the thing for the Panthers is if they don't take Sewell and they take Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts or someone who's not Sewell, and he's available at eight, or David, how about I ask you this? At mm-hmm. eight, we could either have Trey Lance or Sewell. Who do you take? I would honestly take Sewell. I, I there's a chance that you have your forever quarterback. Is the thing you can either have your forever quarterback or your forever left tackle, and I'm honestly not sure which is more important. But we have our forever quarterback, Kobe. We have <laughs> Sam Darnold, <laughs> <laughs> who, like I said, I'm not entirely out on. So <laughs> I'm gonna give him a chance. I'm not going to like, I'm not going to kill the kid for, you know, I mean, he was on the Jets and the Jets are the Jets and, you know, we'll give him a chance. I'm skeptical, but. Oh, you can't see the scar. Yeah. That's kind of metal, honestly. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I don't know. I just know that like we have, because what does Sewell play? What's what? Is he right, left, left guard, tackle? tackle? He left. played left tackle in, okay. in. But it's like there's Sewell and there's also Slater. And mm-hmm. I think coming into the draft process, it was like it was Sewell than everybody else. And now at this point, I think it's Sewell or Slater from mm-hmm. um, Northwestern. And it's one of those two. From what I've heard, it seems like Sewell is the more close. Sewell is like the there is so much talent and athleticism here. And Slater is, we know that this is probably a sure thing. I feel like mm-hmm. if you're drafting somebody, I'd rather take the athleticism and hope that the f- 
fine-tuned skill. Not that he that Sewell doesn't have fine-tuned skill. Um, but I think that he's not as skilled as Slater, but I'd rather have that absolute monster at left tackle. So you can't teach big boy, but no, you, you can't, can't learn teach big skill. boy. Um <laughs> I don't want to take a wide receiver though. That's those are the only mocks. And I'm like, yeah. please anything but a wide receiver. Yeah. I don't, I don't think the Panthers, not that we don't need, not that we couldn't use a wide receiver, but I, I think Devonte Smith's going to be gone. I think that Kyle Pitts is going to be gone. I think that um, probably at that point, you're, you're taking your chances. Um, not that there aren't, not that there aren't like more good wide receivers, but like, you know, the Panthers have DJ Moore. He's your, he's your guy. You have Roby, Roby Anderson, who's another really solid receiver. Um, and then at that point, it's like, who else do we have a receiver now? Oh, I was gonna, I was gonna <laughs> say, um, Robbie Anderson's back with his boy, so maybe yeah. there's chemistry Sam there. Mm-hmm. I just after Curtis Samuel left, now I'm I'm kind of unsure where we stand on wide receiver. There are some names that are slipping my head right now, but anyway, yeah, somewhere there's something they're rattling around somewhere in here. Either way, I think that there are more pressing needs. You know, we had like we did make a cornerback signing in the offseason, you know, which I actually ended up liking. Um, oh, what's his name? He was from he's on the he was on the Jaguars, wasn't he? I don't remember his name, to be honest with you. So I'll get I'll get it eventually. As you're but, like, we needed a corner, we needed a corner because we had we had um we had Dante Jackson. But nobody to like nobody on the opposite side because and know, Jackson is perpetually hurt. So yeah, exactly that too. The Titans are drafting at eighteen, I believe. Uh, twenty-two. Twenty-two. 20. Was this mm-hmm. a trade? Oh, this was a trade. Yep. So, uh, our I think the two biggest positions of need off the right, off the back, would be either the wide receiver or the cornerback position. We lost both Malcolm Butler and Adoree Jackson to free agency. So I think getting that replaced is really quick. So it's for a lot of the mock drafts I've seen, not only among like just main sources, but also within the Titans community is selecting Caleb Farley cornerback out of Virginia tech. I believe he was the opt out of, from this year at Virginia tech. He also had, he's had some injury issues. So it's been one kind of concern. I, I don't think he he's there at 22. I think JC Horn, is another one from South Carolina that they're the Titans fans would like to get. JC Horn gonna, is a monster. I don't think he's going to be there at 22, <laughs> but peop, I think pe- people are just being wishful thinking there. Um, uh, but I've also seen scenarios where the Titans move back to the end of the first round and then pick up like Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss. So I, I would say that we're taking probably either cornerback or wide receiver with our first either one or two picks. Um, but I mean, on top of that, still can always get better on the offensive line because you have someone like Derrick Henry and you want to make sure you have solid offensive linemen at all times. Um, but also just continuing to get better on defense. We did get Bud Dupree uh, on defense. Also, I can't remember his name now. came from the Colts, But I think still getting an edge to replace Jadavian Clowney could also be an option there. Um, right now, I'm looking at a – Zaven Collins from Tulsa being mocked to the Titans, which that dude again is another monster. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's a bad look if you can send him off the edge. And I mean, we we do have options at tight end, 
but I think that could be another one too because we lost Johnny Smith. I, that was probably the one loss this offseason that I was probably the most upset about because I think Johnny Smith is going to do really well for the Patriots. It was A.J. Bouye, by the way. That's right. That's who we signed that quarterback. Yep. So, but I mean, we have Anthony Ferkser at ours, so I don't know if they are going to take him. And Ferkser has moments. He's really good on the third down pass and catch situations. Um, so I would say that's probably at least our biggest position. I've seen some mock drafts where we pick up Diami or Daz in either Diami like in the third round and then Diami as our sixth or seventh round pick. I would be ecstatic if I got either one of them because we probably need someone to fill in the slot to to cover Corey Davis's departure to the Jets. Interesting. We'll move on to the Browns in the second, but the second round of the most recent NFL.com uh, mock draft has Javante going to the Panthers, which is interesting. Uh, Aaron, Browns. I have no clue what the Browns' needs are, honestly. We, I mean, well, so our needs are basically every defensive position, wide receiver, and interior offensive line. But the beauty of our situation is none of those are, we need this guy to step in and start day one. So we can go best player available, but for the opposite reason of normal. Instead of being in such a bad situation that we can draft whoever we want, we are in such a good situation that we can draft whoever we want. So there are a few different camps in among Browns fans for what we should do in the draft. There is one camp that thinks that we should go as rusher, no matter what, in the first round. There's one camp that says that we should go linebacker, no matter what, in the first round. And then there's a camp that says, let's just take whoever is the best available. I am in the second camp, but fine with being in the third camp. Um, so I want, if any of Micah Parsons, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, or Zavin Collins are available at number 26, then I want them. If not, then I'm fine going with the uh, one of a couple edge rushers or just whoever's the best defensive back available. I don't think it's going to happen. One thing I was going to bring up because it was something you actually said, Colby. I feel like I've seen at least one mock where I, I think they at least want the Titans to at least keep an eye on Trey Lance if he drops or even as low as the second round to at least back up Tannehill in case something goes bad, which I would not be opposed to, but we also need to make sure our wide receiver core would be able to benefit him. And we're still a running team. So I don't know if that's a fit. I like Trey Lance behind Ryan Tannehill. I think. I don't think that's a bad fit at all. Yeah. I can also see the Titans kind of becoming sort of a, um, like a little bit closer to it. Cause the, the Titans and the Ravens are not that dissimilar. I feel like it's kind of similar to what the Panthers and Seahawks were um, like in the early 2010s. Um, But I can see that the Titans running a a Ravens-esque offense with Trey Lance back there. I think this has a potential to be a pretty good draft. I'm excited. I'm like, I'm actually interested in seeing how things shake out. Yeah. I keep looking at mock drafts and like this, like the whole first round, I was like, it's hard to, it looks like it's hard to miss right now in the first round. 
unless you're taking a quarterback and you're just not sure what they're going to give you in the NFL. But as far as yeah. like skill positions, it seems like a fairly deep draft. Like there are some really good wide receivers in this draft, like that we just like don't that are like would normally get talked about, but like all that focus has been on those four quarterbacks, you know, potentially five, right? Because it's Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so five. I mean, we don't want to miss out on talking about Kyle Trask, the real steal of the draft. I think there is some solid QB talent in this draft. Oh yeah, I, I I think there's some solid talent. Um, and good, good this year because uh, uh, let's make it a very weak quarterback class next year, so Sam Howell can go number one. Yeah, I, I, I we mentioned this on the last episode, um, but it seems like he's top two right now. It's between <laughs> yeah. between him and the kid at USC. Yeah, it is the <laughs> are the Bears going to suck this year and then take. It? The, the North Carolina guy again at number two. Or I think Big Cat. I think Big Cat would actually start crying. <laughs> that would actually happen. Just briefly, I want to talk about just the potential situation in the NBA. Uh, the Lakers are losing their way into a play-in game. <laughs> into wait, play-in game. Wait, who are they losing to? To the Mavericks. Oh yeah, like, I forgot. Two like, games in a row. Oh, games. who knows? They lost. They lost two straight games to the Mavs who were a couple games behind them, who are now – I think the Mavs are now a game behind the six Lakers. Spot, yep. Out of the play-in as well, which I'm happy, so we don't have to get beat out of the playoffs by Steph Curry and his flamethrower. Yeah. So, Lakers in trouble, kind of, because you do not want to be in that play-in game. It doesn't matter if they're in that top six spot, but, like, they do not want to be messing around in those play-in games because that's going to get real dangerous real quick. <laughs> so – yeah, but what you also don't want to be if you're anyone else in the East is the three seed looking at the healthy Lakers in the first round. That's true. Yeah. And it's the Clippers right now. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we might finally get that series. Mm-hmm. The Clippers who nobody is talking about right now. Paul George looks really good. He looks really freaking good. Yes, he has for like the past five regular seasons. Who 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 are the contenders this year? Do you feel like the Nets? The Bucks the still, but but on the outside, okay. I would say because I would say Philadelphia is the two. Okay. Nets Nets Bucks Sixers are probably the really the core three on the East. Mm-hmm. I think the Suns look hot if they can keep hot. And you gotta call the Jazz until they get they lose seven games because they look hot as well. Are we not saying the Nuggets yet? Just without Jamal Murray, just don't think there's enough there. Oh yeah, with I mean with his injury, they're done. Um, I would I would love for Dallas to get the five spot and play them in the four because I think we can beat them without Jamal. Now I think what the Lakers love to see if they're the sixth seed is the Nuggets sitting at three. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know if they're going to win much more games. I don't think they're going to catch the Clippers without him either. So I think if anything, they're going to slip back. Yeah, I just want Dallas to finish strong and catch the Nuggets because that's probably our best chance to get out of the first round. I would say. Now, in the East, I'm starting to think 
that the Sixers, they might actually do it this year. I think they might get to, and by do it, I mean like get to the finals. I think that it's very real that the Sixers might finally put it all together and get to the finals. I think the Sixers probably have the best defense in the NBA, I would say. And yeah, I mean, they have, they got shooters cause they got Seth Curry from us. They got Danny. Um, I mean, he is hot and cold. You still have Joel Embiid is just playing like out of his mind right now. Ben Simmons is finally starting to come around. You have Tobias Harris. That team's that's a, that's a squad right there. I watched Embiid put Devin Booker in a cage in the half court. I was like, how is this possible? No, I think the Sixers are really good. They are scary good. Also in the East, this is more like local, but it looks like LaMelo Ball is coming back soon. So I did not expect. Yeah, I, I, not I expect. thought he was going to be out for the year. I'll take it. Yeah, at least it makes the Hornets fun to watch. It's good to – I'm glad that I can turn on Hornets games and just watch good basketball. That's all I've wanted for all these years. Y'all still ain't going to get me, but I'm still be able to just turn it on and be able to see competent basketball being played. Are you yeah, saying that Miles like, Bridges isn't fun enough to watch by himself? Miles Bridges is also very fun to watch. How do you do? <laughs> all that you need to have a fun – game of basketball is Miles Bridges and the Hornets play-by-play guy. <laughs> the um, Hornets have a good broadcast broadcast team in general. Bill Curry does good. Mm-hmm. Mavericks are just in a really weird spot right now where we are playing well. We're, I, I, I act like I'm confident that we beat the Lakers in two games. We were down 12 at halftime and it took a comeback from Luka. Um, it's just not good right now. Still, I don't think we've lost some really bad games against like the Rockets and the Kings at home. Ooh. Um, and there's been this article that came out, and it's becoming more and more clear. I don't think the Porzingis Duke Luka Doncic project is working out that much. Mark Cuban's even came out and said that they're like they've had dust ups with each other off the court, and they are just two very different people. Um, and Chris Epps got benched uh, one, like one of the last few games. Like it didn't start. And then he rolled his ankle in the first game against Lakers and he just keeps getting hurt. And that's incredibly frustrating. Um, I think there's a chance we trade KP as early as the offseason, if not him opting out after next season. Um, also, I think something's the storyline is Luca just complains too daggum much. He's got he's like two or three texts away from getting that suspension now. He just I was looking the other day. I found I think he got he's on eleven or twelve now. Yeah, I think he's at twelve. Um, oh, so he's gotten another since I saw that tweet. Yeah, he got one last night. Um, okay, he, yeah. He yelled at a ref during a free throw. Um, I mean, it's just frustrating, but I just feel so bad because it's like it's happening all over again we have this generational talent and nobody wants to play with him and it's going to be so frustrating because i i think it, it was the thing for last playoffs is that dallas is soft the kp soft and luke is even soft to a to a degree because he argues calls and so i i, I we're not in contention um we might have a chance to maybe get out of the first round but we're not in contention uh, at least until we get somewhat of a big that can defend the paint and keep people like Embiid out 
and things like that. And that's still even hard to do. So I just hope Dallas can make some splashes in the off season. That soft thing though, that's also just kind of like a European basketball player stereotype. The, Oh, they're all soft, which for, I feel like from everything I've seen, I think Luca's from like the South side of Latvia or whatever they call it over there. So no, he's I, from I Slovenia. He's Chris Epps is from South Latvia. side. <laughs> No, like I said, I don't. I don't think. I think Luke is stronger than Kristaps is. Definitely, both with just injury and durability. Um, even with his complaining, still just having like that killer mentality because he's now leading the NBA in game-winning shots under five seconds. Like he's got it. Like he, like like you said, he's a generational player. Like you know, you've got it. It's just that you know you got to so. get some talent around him. And we have a lot of people, a lot of contracts coming up this offseason. I think they have to look at getting getting some people or making some moves because I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think they consider trading KP and trying to get someone, but I just don't know who's going to take on his max contract with his injury issues and with his – this is be a second stop where his temperament has become an issue because he basically walked out of his uh, exit interview with the Knicks, which was what led to his trade to Dallas. Which sucks because, you know – you see that you can see the uh, again with Luca, it's very obvious and flashy. But with Porzingis, I mean, like he's an un, like not underrated because he has a max contract, but like he's he was a hot commodity coming off of the Knicks. Like he was like gonna be like that AD style like franchise changer, and I just I don't think he's lived up to that. Yeah, Luca just needs another shooter. Like I would love if Dallas got like a Brad Beal or mm-hmm. or Demar Derozan around him oh that would be fantastic i still keep forgetting that demar Derozan is is in san antonio i don't he beat us on a game winner that's why i want him 